Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of The Drive, Las Vegas edition. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. George Nenny in the house. George, what's up, brother? How you doing? Hello. How are you, Jason? Thanks for thinking <laughs> of me. I hope, I'm, I, I hope to be famous someday. What do you mean? You are. Come on. All right. You know how I like to start off these podcasts. I love starting them off with little origin stories because I'm always super fascinated how people got started in the business. You know, so for, for the dozen people out there that don't know who you are, um, <laughs> what, what is the origin story that is George getting into the automotive business? Yes. Uh, uh, we, uh, I'm the youngest of seven. Uh, our family started a business, or two of my older brothers started a business called Dealer Specialties, and that was in 89. I joined in 93, and we grew that business like crazy in the 90s, and uh, they sold it to Trader Publishing in 2000. Uh, I stayed on with Trader. They became Dominion over the years. Uh, they made acquisitions in DMS, CRM websites. Uh, I was able to run a number of those and then uh, left the whole uh, outfit in, in August of 2017 to start my own consulting business. That's awesome, man. And I do love the stuff that you guys put out, like the, the content that you're putting out and the research that you put behind it. It just it shows how much you really do care about the operations, but the importance of tracking and really understanding where every single one of our dollars go. Right. Yes, so our first topic kind of the day is uh, Google My Business for Fix Ops. I mean, talk about just a monster, monster opportunity with a minimal investment, but I don't think enough of us in the in industry even understand what's going on there. Yeah, no doubt. Google My Business for Fixed Ops is the lowest hanging fruit for dealers today, specifically for a service Google My Business and a uh, body shop collision center Google My Business. Those are really easy to optimize, and most of the small mom and pop providers in your market are not paying attention to it, so it's easy to beat them and 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 in ranking in Google search, right? It's it's local SEO has now become Google My Business. For fixed ops, uh, you have to create those separate listings and optimizing them is easy and the results are amazing. So give me some examples of, you know, maybe some dealerships that have gone through the process, taken the time. Well, first thing first, like how much time are we really talking here, investment wise? You know, honestly, to get the thing set up, maybe a couple hours in an afternoon. See, <laughs> yeah. we're not talking about a huge investment in time. So there's no excuse not to do it. If you're watching or listening to this, you better have it done by the time you're done listening to this podcast. No, I'm just kidding, we're not gonna go for three or four hours, even though we probably could. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, give me some examples where you've seen some dealerships take the time to execute it, and what are these seeing as far as a return? Sure, so so you know, we, we, we encounter uh, new customers, dealers, that have a single Google My Business. We show them the data behind it, uh, where uh, if you increase your real estate by um, adding on service or body shop Google My Businesses, you'll start getting results. So we build those listings, um, and this is the most common question I get. Hey, George, I built a service Google My Business or a fixed ops, uh, I'm sorry, um, collision center Google My Business, but it's not showing up and it won't nest into my main listing. Uh, what am I doing wrong? Well, you don't have 20 reviews and 20 owner photos. So once you get those two pieces, you sort of activate the listing within Google's mind, you show up, they'll automatically nest you and um, you know, you're on the, uh, on the path to start uh, getting additional um, non-branded category search. And that's really the most important thing. Yes. You get nothing else from the podcast. Measuring success on Google My Business is not about winning on your brand, showing up in your brand. Google takes care of that. Winning on Google My Business is about winning on non-branded category search, Jeep brake repair near me, brake repair near me, 
tires near me, Mustang tires near me, all those non-branded, don't, don't include your dealer name, find out where you rank, see if your competitors are outranking you, and then get busy um, changing that. So like, let's say like best practices when you start talking about like images, like what kind of images should dealerships be posting on their GMB page? Okay, yep, so uh, there are two kind of images. There's, there's customer photos and, and uh, owner photos, they call them. And so of course, you know, we can only upload owner photos. And, and the good news is, is that's a big, that's a big uh, ranking signal to Google, or at least mm -hmm. a, it's a signal to Google to say this thing's alive, someone's paying attention to this Google My Business, so now we'll start to, to rank that. Um, and those photos would be, you know, just pictures of service, waiting areas, amenities. Mm -hmm. You know, honestly, I would go through and take a picture of every diagnostic uh, machine in the in the service bay. Keep in mind, we're taking we're taking those photos for two audiences: one for the consumers that may really want to go into our super service Google My Business and and sort through them. You know, probably not a ton of people are going to spend a lot of time there. You're doing it for Google. You're doing it to show those signals. Um, search engine land in January of 2020 released a study that showed that when you get a Google My Business with over 100 owner photos, you get more than your fair share of searches, views, and actions. And I think a great place, it's so easy to get that many photos, is the collision department. Because yeah. who doesn't like taking a picture of the, oh guys, look what happened to my car, and look at it now, can you right. believe the difference, right? But I mean, I think to, to be able to execute on that, it's a process, like everything, right? You know, we're, we're, you know, Google will reward us for putting the time into it, but if we don't have a process, it'll never get done. What are some of the I mean, better processes you've seen? Sure, so, so once you build the Google My Business listing, and again, it, it might be a couple hours in an afternoon, it's, it's very light lifting. Then, as we mentioned, photos, uploading customer photos, again, an easy exercise. But driving reviews are important, uh, not only for the sales and also for service, but when you can influence those reviews to get you know, more than your fair share of five stars and get keywords in those reviews. So, so what does that look like? So I'm a big fan of, uh, of uh, Podium and reputation.com and other automated reputation management systems. I think dealers should subscribe to those. If that's all they do, they'll only get maybe 11 to 18 uh, new reviews per month for each GMB. However, when the dealer then begins to engage the customer one-on-one, -on -one, and there's there's the term review gating, right? And review yep. gating is something that Google you know frowns upon. But you know, if I'm at a dealership and you know if I'm selling a car or I'm working the service lane, and I've got a really irritated customer, I'm not asking them for a review. Yep. But if I've got my best customer, they're super happy, they're tickled, you know, everything's fine. I ask for that review. I say, hey, would you mind, Jason, you know, giving me a review and including my name in the review? Give me a five-star review. And if you could include you know, the products that you bought, the service that you got, that helps our, our, our readers to be able to, to understand you know, the, the, you know, the review and the context. Those keywords in reviews, especially for fixed ops, are magic. Yes. And they will instantly allow your, uh, your service uh, and your other um, your collision GMBs to, to rank. I actually had a dealership that was, had a little fun with it and actually created a little contest out of it, right? You, right. Know, uh, you know, please upload the photo. Here's kind of the instructions on how to do so. And every month uh, we pick one service customer and we cover their service expense. Oh, nice, okay. Right? Yeah, so right. That's kind of a cool thing to get back. Like, all right, I just spent 500 bucks to get my brakes. Wait, I'm getting the money back? We're just saying how happy I am. All right, that sounds like a win-win, right? Nice, but it's yeah. just a little postcard they just attached to the RO when they're giving it back to the customer. Okay. Right, so it's not a hard ask, it's a small one. But I'm like amazed to idea. see how many enemy are doing it. But that's I thought that was a cool process because it's consistently asked for mm -hmm. it, right? It's just kind of built into it.
One, one of our best stores, they, they um, of course, putting them in pay, pay plans is something that, that is very typical uh, of a dealership for the sales or maybe the service side. But this dealership uh, had an annual bonus program that, that for years they really had no KPIs associated with it. Okay. And it was kind of like, if you're doing a good job, and most people got their Christmas bonus, of course, but now they tied reviews for every single employee, cashier, receptionist, you know, service writer, service manager, sales, sales folks. And so they are expected to get a certain number of reviews within a 12 month period mm -hmm. that are five star that mention their name. And I mean, the first month the dealer kicked it off and they kicked it off in January, it wasn't due till December. Everybody was racing to get their reviews and they had like <laughs> almost 200 reviews for their sales for a Ford store, a good sized Ford store, 200 sales reviews, all 100% five star for the month. So they're now, they're now creating so much space between themselves and their competitors that, that soon it will be hard to uh, ever catch up. Well, look, and as consumers, it's an incredibly important uh, part of us understanding who you are as a business. Yep. You know, the good and the bad. I, you know, I, I gotta be honest, I get a little perturbed a little bit when I hear the OEM saying that you must maintain this. Because look, at the end of the day, if there's a bad review there, it's a, an amazing branding opportunity sure. for me to respond, reply to it, and address it. And I gotta be honest with you, when I look and I'm reading reviews, a hotel or a resort I'm gonna go stay in or a, a product I'm gonna go buy, I'm looking for the good and the bad. And one of the things that most impressed me is how they respond, oh, or sure. how they react to the bad. I think there's sometimes more value in that than seeing just a bunch of people say, amazing, 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 excellent. Yes, I totally agree. And, and you know, there's been studies on that that, that show that customers uh, uh, are more loyal to businesses that have a problem and fix it to yes. a very high degree than customers who who um, are customers of companies that never have problems. And so that's a strange one to get your head around, right? So you're telling me that I should actually maybe create a problem and save it, do a great uh, job of saving that that uh, issue for the customer and I'll make them more loyal? Absolutely. Well, I, th I think a lot of dealerships don't realize, but the customer can actually update the review. Yes. Like it's not a one, it's not in stone. All right, you get a bad review, it gives you an opportunity to, to, to jump in. Look, we're people. Maybe the per that service advisor was just having one of those days, right? you know, and just wasn't pleasant enough or maybe said something. And, and who knows, maybe the consumer also had one of those days as well, right? right. But I think by putting a process in place mm -hmm. so that you can run it up the flagpole, you know, I, I'm, I'm so surprised today how many dealerships I talk to that don't have a flagpole process, mm -hmm. you know, running up the flagpole, meaning you, you, there's an issue, you got to run it up the, the chain of command, yes. right? Yep. Um, what, if, if you, have you seen some like best practices or dealerships putting in processes like this? Yeah, I think on the negative reviews, typically it's going to be, a, you know, the GM or the owner says, look, I want to respond to all negatives. So in some ways I think they, and if it's a well-run store, they're, they're not going to have that, that, uh, that larger number of, of negative reviews. Um, but so they're already in touch with it. Um, but in terms of escalation, yeah, I just think if, if, the, if the owner or the GM is not responding to negative reviews, at a minimum, they should say, look, I want visibility on those and I want to hear what the response is. Of course, on a negative review, as you say, you know, it, um, you're not really responding to the reviewer as much as everybody else who will read that review in the future. 100%. Yeah. To make sure that, that, you know, if you don't respond to a negative review, what does that mean? It means it's the truth. The person well, yeah, reading it says it's, it's the truth. It's the perceived, like, it was just a bad day or whatever it was, but it doesn't matter. You don't need to go and argue with them on who was right or who was wrong, all right? You just gotta understand that their perception of whatever the situation was that day, 
wasn't great, right. you know, right. but you have the opportunity to respond as an owner or as a general manager and to acknowledge that, but it's everybody else. Absolutely. How you're saying it and how you're dealing with it, it says so, so, so much about the business. Um, totally I actually had to call a dealer principal friend of mine uh, because we're set up so we do get notifications, right? Okay. And, you know, even though it's not a service we even provide, it's something that, you know, just from a consulting perspective, we like to just help on, right? Sure enough, 11.30 p.m., all right, I get this notification and I'm seeing the GM just straight up start arguing. And they're like back and forth on this thing. And I'm like, no, I'm texting him. I'm like, shut up, Let's put your phone down. I'll call you tomorrow. I'll call you tomorrow. Right, yeah. I've seen some of those, like, hey, we don't see you in our system. I'm not sure you're ever a customer. Or just this online argument. And I think to some degree now, if, if, if someone, there's situations where, where consumers take shots at dealers and they're, and they're real, they're real customers and they've got these real issues. I think there is sometimes a, a, a good time to set the record straight and just provide some facts. Again, we're so sorry. We'd love to help with this, but just keep in mind, we did do this for you. We did offer you this, we did, mm-hmm. and you said no, or whatever it is. I think a dose of reality back uh, also helps the, the reader. Again, the, the, the next reader of that review. Look guys, if you're watching and listening right now, bottom line is is that you need to spend and invest some time into your GMB. The, the processes, the time of splitting out your departments, uh, the ROI, like my friend of mine likes to say, the juice is worth the squeeze. It is. <laughs> and you know, what? One, one last point, the insights tab. If you're in your Google My Business admin mm-hmm. on a regular basis, you're changing information, use that insights tab, that's the reporting, and that will help you be able to see, are you moving the needle? Did these 20 reviews and 20 owner photos actually help you get your searches, views, and actions up? And you'll, you'll, you'll see that in the data. Uh, making a, a slight little adjustment over, because there's another topic I want to talk to you about, is is paid search, and just kind of where it's going and some of your thoughts. It's it's an interesting time right now because of inventory and just COVID. But I would just love to kind of get your thoughts on paid search. Sure. So paid search for me, and I I, I gave this presentation this morning at Digital Deal. There's five categories. Your brand, your your, your dealership name, mm-hmm. the uh, four dealer near me, four dealer Chicago. So like that dealer geo, um, new cars, used cars, and fixed ops. Of those, used cars just strike off the list, right? So I do not believe that uh, a dealer should should uh, use paid search for used cars. It's just really inefficient. It's too hard to match the intent of the searcher with the content you'll provide. Um, not that you won't every once in a while get a good lead or get, but you'll spend a fortune in the process. Uh, paid Facebook ads, third-party classifieds, far more cost-effective than a cost per shop or a cost per VDP, cost per lead perspective. Um, and then that said, now you know, a shortage of new cars. We're having uh, all of our customers that don't have at least four of any individual make model pause uh, new car uh, paid search campaigns mm-hmm. just because it just it, it won't pencil. It doesn't make sense. Um, and you know, fixed ops is really its own kind of unique animal. I think it, we could probably have a separate podcast on how to be successful around fixed. It's its own. It's its own animal. But uh, on new cars, I think um, uh, cut back. But but I would still keep your brand campaigns. I still would keep your dealer near me campaigns, especially if your cost per click is uh, is attractive, because you're going to get a lot of service uh, clicks for those, a lot yes. of uh, service phone calls on those. And so I think that's that's the sweet spot of paid search. The dealer near me. The four dealers. Chicago, that's that's what paid search is actually good at. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, 
it's the mix that I think is super important, right? Uh, there, there is no silver bullet. There is no magic, magic formula. It's a combination of everything. And you need to really kind of dive into understanding your area and your environment and the audience that you're targeting to try to start testing out where, what networks you're allocating money to. Don't you agree? Yep. Absolutely. So it's, it's the right, that's a, my, my session was titled Finding the Right Recipe for Your Digital Marketing. It's, it's the mix. It's it, a it is a recipe. That, I love that because that really is a recipe. And, you know, if you think of a good recipe, it can take many, many, many attempts to make that recipe just right. right, right. And then, of course, something will change in the industry and you got to go remake the recipe all over again. <laughs> and what is missing? What's that one ingredient that's always missing? Email marketing. So many dealers yes. do zero email marketing. It's just shocking to me. We will vendor eval and we'll find a vendor for them. They turn that on and then suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, this is really gives a lot of great traffic, a lot of great conversions. It's not very sexy. It's not the new widget that you sell a digital dealer, but, but every dealer should be doing you know, email marketing. I agree with you, but if you are going to be doing email marketing, we do a lot of email marketing, um, make sure the word mass is never comes out of your vendor's mouth. If they use the word mass email, okay. shut them down immediately, right? Because it's just, it's not fair. We have the data. Right. right? We know what you're driving. We know how, how often you visit us. All right. Just to take a singular message and blast. Oh yeah. Blast and mass. Those are the two words to never be go side by side with email. Right. Yeah. Like take the time to understand it. You know, if, if you're, if you're sending out emails for like a service customer, it just send it out to everybody. It doesn't make sense. Right. You know, the people that always regularly uh, service with you, send them out something different. The people that haven't busy in 12 months, okay, go in more aggressive with them, but take the time and divide that out. Don't treat every customer in your database the exact same when it comes to that email marketing. And actually, just marketing in general shouldn't be that way either, too, right? right? Agreed, agreed. Yeah, we, we, we do that. We're doing that for a dealer right now, building different personas in the in the database to be for email marketing, just being able to say, here's an audience, and we want to accomplish this with this audience. Here's a different audience, we want to accomplish this. So you start with good goals. You got you UTM tag all those email campaigns, you know what success looks like, and you execute. Yes. And also from, I find it super important, if you are choosing a vendor uh, to help you with your email marketing, uh, make sure that there's some behavioral tracking that goes along with it. Uh, you know, the, the day of someone filling out a form or just clicking the call button, we just, we know that over 90% of the people out there won't click to call. They won't fill out the form. But that doesn't mean they're necessarily not interested in your message. They may engage in other ways. They download the offer, they open the coupon, or they print out a brochure. You know, these are all great indicators. Right. Like someone wants to race us. I think so too. Yep. You gonna let that happen? Oh, I'm totally gonna let it happen. Uh, like what race to the next 60 feet of the car in front of me? I'm like, <laughs> um, so yeah, make sure that there's some way to actually measure the behavior of these people because there are tall tell signs of people that are interested in your message, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna pick up the car, the car, uh, the phone and call yeah. you. And you know, if you, if you use Google Analytics or Data Studio or you're looking at the data, you know, we, we reward conversions. Of course, we love conversions, but we know that 95% or more of all your shopping traffic, even good shopping traffic, will not convert. So Nirvana is being able to measure what's a shopper look like versus a accidental click versus a bot. And, you know, it's, it's fairly easy to spot that. And so, yeah, we, we reward you know, good quality shopping traffic that uh, may or may not convert. Well, and I'm glad that you brought up analytics because I think that's a perfect segue kind of into our next topic, right? It's like, it's time for dealerships. Well, it's been time for a while, but very much so now it's time for dealerships to get very serious about their GA, 
or their Google Analytics account, all right? Absolutely. What, what kind of uh, strategies or best practices you have around that? Yeah, so I think the first the first step is someone at the dealership needs to have some familiarity with Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. um, it seems intimidating. I think a lot of people just never start because it just sounds there's so much yeah, there. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I use an example of you know so if you if you move if you move to a new neighborhood in a new part of town, uh, it's a newly created neighborhood. One of these you know massive ones where you're going to take you know eight or ten turns to get to your home once you go in the subdivision. The first time you go home, you may need Waze or Google Maps to be able to figure out where you're going after two weeks does it take that no i know my way home because i know the neighborhood so if you commit to google analytics you say look i'm going to log in and spend 10 15 minutes twice a week for one month by the end of that month you'll be familiar with that neighborhood you know a few buttons and a couple reports and you're not going to take down the website you really can't hurt anything um it's really a, a, a reporting platform so dive in there's some good training out there we've got online training uh, on our website brian pash has good online training for google analytics both are specific for automotive you dive in there and get someone trained well i think that's what it is is i think you're right 100 when it comes to google analytics is, is take the time make the commitment you know learn something new it's fun Right, right. And, and for your employees, I mean, employees want to be developed. You know, when you do annual reviews with employees, we're talking about, you know, career goals, where you want to be a year from now and a few years from now. You know, I always like to ask employees, you know, are, uh, what personal and professional development do you feel like you've, you know, experienced in the last year? And, and what would you like to experience in the coming year? And normally that's like training. And, you know, normally employees would ask, well, I'd love to learn Google Analytics. Will you send me to a course to be able to learn that? That's mm -hmm. professional development. That's investing in that employee. And, you know, it's a win-win, right? The dealership now has those skills and has a, a more capable employee. And now uh, the, and the employee feels better about themselves. They've added the value. hundred uh, percent. Now, uh, look, you mentioned earlier, when, and it's very true, there's just so much to look at in Google Analytics. If you were to tell a dealer, hey, you know, just get started, look at these, I don't know, three to five reports, which ones would you choose? Sure, you know, I'd probably just start even with one. I mean, most everything I do in Google Analytics, and if you've got it fired up right now uh, for the podcast, fire it up, go down the left-hand menu column and just click on acquisition. 90% of everything we do is on that menu, right? And there's a couple nice choices in there. One is source medium. That's a good way to quickly just break it down. Mm -hmm. Acquisition source medium and then acquisition channels. I mean, those two we use uh, a tremendous amount of time. And, you know, once you once you click on those, you're going to see data. You can change your date range. You can kind of see the different traffic sources. You'll recognize them. You'll recognize Auto Trader and cars and, you know, your paid search and all those different pieces. And and there you go. You've just, you've just begun. And then you just kind of add on to that. Yeah, hundred percent. And it, I, I think if you're looking at if you're looking at uh, those pages on a regular basis, it will start opening up some amazing insights into some strategies that you may have just never thought about in the past, right? But also knowing like where your customers coming from, but also maybe where that money is coming from. So I would love to talk a little bit about like ad spend waste. Um, I can't tell you, I know you do it all the time, I can't tell you how many dealerships, analytics accounts that I've dove into and AdWords accounts and it, there is just so much ad spend waste. It it's terrible. Yeah, we, I mean, every time we take on a new client, we, we find 30 to 40% of the paid search is just wasted spend, fairly easy to find. And you know, if you're working with a good quality agency and they'll, they'll take that as, as, as good feedback and they'll tweak those. And you know, our job is never to get the agency replaced. It's just to kind of make them better and be another set of eyes on the data. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once you get that dialed in now, you know, the, the results are better. The, the spend is far more efficient and you know, the dealer can take those dollars and put them into another campaign, put mm -hmm. them in their pocket, you know, whatever, uh, 
whatever uh, you know meets the strategic marketing goals. For for maybe some of the people that are watching a listing and we're using the word like ad spend ways, like maybe they don't know where to go find that. Like, can you give them some some advice of a way, how how do they look for that? How do you look for how much you're spending on Google or on uh, Google Ads? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so again, in you could you could ask the vendor. Of course, they can give you some of that disclosure. But if you just go in Google Analytics and again you click on acquisition, except this time you click on Google Ads, right? And uh, if if the vendor has it's the same Mustang. I think it's a Mustang. Um, uh, if they have Google Ads connected with Google Analytics, and that's just a, 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 a switch that has to be flipped by your agency, they have to connect the Google Ads platform, which is the, the paid search platform, with the Google Analytics platform. Once they do that, all your cost per click, all your all keywords, all your search in. query flows in. If you're not sure if it's connected or not, here's an easy way to do it. Click on acquisition and then click on your uh, Google Ads. And if you see dollars under CPC, if you see dollars amounts and, uh, and um, then it's connected. If you see zeros, all zeros, it's not connected, right? So it's a quick way to, to test that. But you know, so so you simply choose Google Ads, change your your time frame to last month or current month, whatever, and boom, there's your number, your total Google Ads spend uh, for that period of time. And if for any reason your agency won't let you do that. Just go find a new one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. sorry, but yes. I, I, I recently had this conversation yeah. where I asked the dealership to reach out to the, their agency because they were using one that had to be approved by the OEM right. and they couldn't use us, which is fine. It happens. All right. And the response back from the agency was that, no, they don't do that. You have to log into their dashboard. I don't know about you, but yeah. for me, monster red yeah, flag. Red, monster red flag. Yeah, I've, I've had that a few times. and. Normally the answer is, hey, you know, all our paid keywords are our secret sauce, and we've got, you know, there, there's no, there's no magic there's treasure chest of s special <laughs> keywords that are suddenly going to make your paid search perform incredibly well, right? So yep. it's, um, yeah. So I, I would run the other way uh, if they will not connect Google Ads with Google Analytics. Like, and it's look, it's just a great way to have transparency and just also hold accountability on a regular basis. Yes, absolutely. You know? absolutely. Well, George, this has been a lot of fun. I know we're getting towards the tail end of our podcast, but we've had some great conversations. Uh, for anybody out there that's watching and listening right now that would love to connect with you, maybe learn some more about what you do, sure, um, or even continue some of the talking points that we had during this podcast, what what's the best way to connect with you? Yep, the best way would be uh, um, you can Google my name, George Nenny, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Our website's a little long, uh, Generations Digital. Uh, it's generations, plural, uh, digital.com. Um, and so, yeah, I'd love to help. I mean, we, I, you know, we have customers, but we also have plenty of dealers that will ping us with a question here or there that they need help on. And so we love to, to be a phone a friend for those dealers um, if they need be. But um, yes, please, uh, love to love to continue that conversation with uh, whoever whoever could benefit. Awesome. Hey, George, thank you so much for taking the thank time you. to jam with me. Thank you. Thanks for thinking of me. This has been a lot of fun, man. Bet, man. Love the car.